on the ESG Beat, we will speak with Professor Tom Lin, Professor of Law at Temple University's Beasley School of Law. Professor Lin's research focuses on corporate purpose with an emphasis on corporate social activism. He will be discussing his recent book, The Capitalist and the Activist, Corporate Social Activism and the New Business of Change. Welcome to the ESG Beat, Tom. Thanks, Amelia. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so this ESG Beat will focus on corporate social activism and on your new terrific book entitled The Capitalist and the Activist. Before we get started, though, um, I'd like to contextualize your research more broadly. What drew you to this area? So I, I write and teach in the area of business law and regulation generally. And several years ago, I, I noticed that businesses and business executives were engaging quite publicly in many social and political issues like gun violence, LGBTQ rights, and climate change. Um, some of their own choosing and others because they were drawn into these debates and discussions. And I saw this development um, as an important one for further study and exploration as someone interested in business law. So Tom, can you help us understand how your work on corporate social activism fits in within the broader corporate purpose debate? I mean, we've seen, um, you know, large asset managers uh, such as Larry Fink uh, famously asking companies to serve a social purpose. Of course, there was a business roundtable statement on corporate purpose. There's a lot of discussion and debate um, within academic circles and practitioners uh, on what the purpose of a corporation ought to be uh, and what the purpose of the corporation is. How does this fit into that debate? um, Into the corporate purpose debate. Um, is as follows. Because businesses are trying to reorient themselves and promote themselves to their shareholders and other stakeholders as moral and socially conscious entities with broader socially enhancing purposes, um, it's natural that the marketplace and society would expect them to engage in social activism. One of the fastest areas of growth in terms of investments and asset management has been in the area of um, ESG investments. And I think part of that is um, due in in part to this reorientation of businesses and this re-articulation of um, corporate purposes of businesses. Um, It's also, I think, important to note that this rearticulation or this reorientation of corporate purpose comes at a time of a new awakening and a new level of awareness among the public of the challenges and problems confronting society. Um, new technology like social media and financial technology has made it abundantly easier to organize, fundraise, uh, agitate, and communicate with institutions and individuals in power in business and in politics. Um, People today can directly engage businesses and business leaders like never before. Um, Moreover, I think corporate action and and inaction are scrutinized and analyzed by the masses um, with direct impact on corporate brands, um, business revenue, and and market value. Uh, I think in in decades, if not in eras past, um, 
businesses and their executives feared a bad newspaper story. I think today they, what they really dread is a bad viral video or a negative trending hashtag that hurts their brands and uh, stock price. You know, all of this, I think, um, catalyzed in part by this re-articulation and reorientation of corporate purpose has led to a change in business. Um, and also, you know, a new business of change, uh, a new framework for making a difference in the world through a fusion of capitalism, activism, and technology. So I'd like to start by um, contextualizing the history of corporate social activism. And as, as you've pointed out in your scholarship, um, companies have always engaged in social and political issues of the day. Can you walk us through a bit of that history? Yeah, I think in, in many ways, um, corporations have played a critical role in social and political activism or, or debates um, throughout American histories. In some ways, you know, one could trace it all the way back to our country's founding and its founders. You know, we had these um, Jeffersonian democratic impulses um, competing with sort of Hamiltonian mercantilist um, impulses. And, you know, at, at every critical juncture of our history, um, business have has played some role. Uh, we think back to um, titans of industry from eras past, like Vanderbilt, um, J.P. Morgan, Carnegie, Mellon, Henry Ford. Um, they've all played some role in shaping society and the politics of society during their respective eras. Um, in more recent history, I think um, episodes from the civil rights movement of the 1960s um, highlight some of the various corporate roles that businesses have played in social activism and politics during that period. Um, major corporations like Xerox, uh, McDonald's, Avon, just to name a few, um, have led the way in integrating African Americans into their hiring practices, their marketing plans, and their investment initiatives, um, oftentimes before government um, passed any significant legislation or mandated um, any action from the business sector. Uh, I know you're based out in the Bay Area, so you know a, a company, uh, a storage company out of the Bay Area is Levi Strauss, and Levi's, for instance, uh, integrated one of its major factories in 1960, I believe, um, in Virginia, in the South, um, years before the passage of any significant civil rights law on the state or the federal level. I think on, on the whole, um, because businesses, their executives, and their various constituencies um, don't exist in a social vacuum, um, I think it's natural that throughout the historical ebbs and flows of social change, corporations and businesses have you know, played a significant role in those changes. Um, and you know, to be perfectly honest, um, sometimes businesses were on the right side of history and other times many businesses were not. So Tom, thank you so much for contextualizing that history. And as you've pointed out, you know, corporate engagement in social and political issues is, is not really anything new, um, but there seems to be something very different happening today. Um, can you walk us through 
why, what has led to this increased focus by the private sector on political and social issues? In my research, I've pointed um, towards three major factors that have seeded this shift. One, a convergence of the public and the private spheres. Uh, two, an expansion of corporate political legal rights. And three, an rise and evolution of corporate social responsibility. I find that framing so incredibly helpful and clarifying. Um, and I'm wondering if you can go into a little bit more depth on each of those points. Sure, happy to do it. Um, the first sort of major factor, a convergence of the public and private spheres. Um, I think over time there's been a blurring of the lines between the public and private sectors in the United States where traditional public functions are becoming more and more privatized, while at the same time, the government is taking a larger role in private enterprise. In many ways, I think um, we have become a government incorporated by business principles, as well as a marketplace uh, dominated by public policies. Yeah, I couldn't um, agree with you more. and. It seems that the, the COVID-19 pandemic and so many other crises have really blurred those lines even more. Um, can you weigh in on that? Yeah, that's true. You know, um, you know, government has certainly taken a more involved role in business, um, particularly during times of crisis like the last two years with COVID, um, you know, mandating uh, vaccines, mandating masks, um, putting in... Uh, bailout programs to help small and large businesses. But even prior to the pandemic, um, during the financial crisis, we saw government take a pretty active role with the financial industry and the auto industry. Um, and so government has definitely taken um, a more active and prominent role in private enterprise. But, but at the same time, you know, um, businesses have also taken a bigger role in traditional you know, public sector enterprises. Um, private for-profit colleges are fairly common these days, as are private prisons, private tax collection, as well as private police and military forces in many municipalities. And so I think, you know, this convergence of public and private is a major factor leading to this shift. Yeah, and then, um... The second factor that you noted, um, I think, is, is also really interesting, which is um, increased uh, political rights for corporations. Can you um, elaborate more and help us contextualize that? Yeah, I think over the past few decades, um, there's been an expansion of corporate legal rights and political influence by courts and Congress um, that has helped catalyze of corporate social activism. The landmark Supreme Court cases like Hobby Lobby and Citizens United have both empowered and emboldened corporations and businesses um, to lobby politicians and to take fairly public stands on social issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm really um, interested in how the Supreme Court cases have um, advanced this new corporate social activism because the interesting thing is that those cases protected the political or the religious rights uh, of conservative businesses, 
but yet the impact has been that businesses more generally are engaging on um, social and political issues. Yeah, I think part of it is that these landmark cases um, created a permission structure and a financial structure for businesses to participate in the social and political arena uh, in a new way. Right? Citizens United um, relax some of the campaign finance rules that allow um, businesses to contribute money into the political process like never before. And Hobby Lobby made it permissible for um, businesses to take stands within the confines of their enterprises on social issues, um, religious or otherwise. And collectively what's happened is that um, the influx of money into politics and having the legal protection to take um, sort of non-traditional corporate positions um, on social issues and religious issues has led to um, in some way uh, a jump-starting or a further um, empowering of activists to engage with businesses and stakeholders to expect businesses to engage in some of the more pressing social and political challenges of the day. So let's now turn to the third factor, uh, which is um, also very interesting, and, and um, your observation is incredibly um, helpful in that you see this as an extension of the corporate social responsibility movement. Um, can you shed some light on that? I think for, for decades now, um, many businesses, particularly large public-facing businesses, have been professing and trying to position themselves to be socially conscious. Um, and so in, in some ways it's not surprising and it's logical for stakeholders to try to leverage the tools and resources of businesses um, to help solve some of society's more pressing challenges and problems. Um, but, but over time, what we're seeing is that um, being merely socially responsible became insufficient for the demands and expectations of a changing world. And that in some ways, corporate social responsibility alone seemed almost too passive, um, too insular, and too self-serving. You know, it, one way to think about it is that um, in a world that seems to be literally on fire from climate change and social unrest, uh, corporate social responsibility seemed to be, to many, a privilege exercise in sort of self-improvement and self-protection. Um, and so I think naturally the evolution of corporate social responsibility has evolved to um, a phase of corporate social activism. I think the days of simply ignoring social issues or writing a check are gone and that corporations are now frequently expected by many to engage in social issues through public statements, sponsorships, partnerships, and actual action. Um, I think being a socially responsible corporation 
in this day and age um, ostensibly means being a socially active corporation. Yeah, that's um, I I agree that we've seen that evolution as as the expectations of society are so much greater. It's no longer enough for companies to address their own externalities, but often they're being called upon to address issues that um, their business really has no nexus to. Now, that raises um, really challenging line drawing problems. Um, what are your thoughts there? How should companies, you know, as a practical matter, navigate what issues they should engage on and what issues they just simply should not engage on? You know, I, I think it's, um, it's an incredibly tough um, it's an incredibly tough challenge confronting a lot of executives um, when there are so many pressing issues within their communities that affect various stakeholders and constituencies. Um, but I think you know um, a, a few sort of first principles um, that I like to keep in mind on this question is, you know, to the extent possible, businesses should try to focus their collective efforts on the communities nearest to them before expanding outward. Um, so as such, you know, when possible and when given a choice, business should try to focus their resources and efforts internally first, then locally, then beyond. Um, they should begin their socially enhancing efforts internally with their own businesses, um, with their own employees. There are stakeholders and activists in every business animating and calling for a change and progress within the firms themselves. And so businesses should focus on those issues and those constituencies uh, first. And then move outward locally um, and then regionally and then nationally and perhaps internationally. Um, so that's sort of one first principle. The second one, I think, um, in terms of how they should do it and what to focus on. Another first principle to keep in mind is that they should focus on areas where they have uh, comparative advantages and core competencies um, to the extent they have a choice and they can, um, rather than trying to work on a myriad of issues on a variety of disconnected ways. Um, they should try to prioritize their efforts in areas where they can have the biggest impact. Um, for instance, FedEx's social activism efforts should leverage his expertise in delivery and logistics. And Airbnb's efforts should focus on housing. And JP Morgan's efforts should focus on finance. In reality, you know, for those three companies, that's what we're seeing. Um, their focus, the areas of focus are on areas where they have core competencies and comparative advantages. And it's leading to some of the biggest impacts, I think. Yeah, those are three really terrific examples, and um, I, I really um, you, the, your, the two principles resonate um, with me, and also reflect how businesses that are able to have the greatest impact are thinking about it as well. Um, I also just wanted to emphasize before we move on how important your insight into looking internally before looking. Um, to make impacts outside of the company or the firm. That is so important because so many companies are um, rightly called out for 
taking positions on issues, but not having uh, that same lens internally. Um, and so I think that that also um, protects a company from reputational risk. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, I think in, in many ways to be a sincerely socially active and socially responsible business, um, it has to be a business that treats their employees and their contractors well. It has to be a company that tries to pay their employees well, give them safe working conditions, and provide them with more than adequate benefits so that they can truly share in the gains and successes of the business. Um, as you alluded to, I think it's hard to appear like you genuinely want to be a good corporate citizen if you cannot or are unwilling to take care of the very people that make your success as a business possible. Yes, and the other the other thing that you said, which um, I'm going to uh, press on a little bit, is that it's very important to you know look internally and then to local communities, and then perhaps globally. But we're seeing unprecedented engagement by the uh, corporate sector in the recent crisis and war in Ukraine, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts and perspective on that. Did the level of engagement surprise you? Um, are you celebrating? Are there concerns? Um, what are your thoughts and how does this align with your uh, research and scholarship? I think what's um, unfolding in Ukraine is, is tragic and um, you know the level of engagement from the private sector um, is surprising to me and to, to many others. It seems like every hour we are seeing some new corporate action against uh, Putin and Russia. Uh, in some ways, you know, this is an extension of corporate social activism because these businesses are engaging in one of the most pressing challenges um, facing the world today. Um, in another sense, you know, it's not entirely new because we've seen businesses take action against certain countries and regimes um, like South Africa during the apartheid era, for instance. Uh, but that said, I think the velocity, the depth, uh, and the breadth of the corporate actions um, in connection with Russia, you know, the last couple of days alone appears to be unprecedented. Um, it's happening across industries, across countries, um, in really significant amounts of money, in really significant ways. So Tom, we spent um, a fair bit of time talking about all of the promise of uh, corporate social activism and the ability for companies to address you know, social and environmental harms. Um, but should we be concerned that private entities are not democratically accountable are usurping the role of government? Yes, I think, I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, I think part of the rise of corporate social activism can be attributed to the decline in the efficacy and the public's perception of government, in particular our national government. I think people are looking to the private sector for help and for solutions because um, they're not finding a national government in Washington, D.C. that is responsive or willing to help. 
And so as a result for a lot of important social issues like voting rights, racial justice, income inequality, or gun violence, um, more and more stakeholders and advocates are seeing um, both the channels of government but also the channels of institutions and private businesses as a complementary path towards um, making progress. Um, having said that, I, I think it's, it's important to note that um, the appeal and the effectiveness of corporate social activism on some issues um, does not mean that private for-profit enterprise should serve as substitutes for public democratic institutions. Right? Um, corporate social activism, um, even at its best, is not a market-based alternative to government, nor should it be. Um, there is simply no substitute for good, effective government in a democratic society. Period. Thank you for sharing your insights um, on the corporate engagement, unprecedented corporate engagement in, in Ukraine right now. So I always like to end the ESG beat by giving our guests two parting gifts, a magic wand and a crystal ball. I'm going to start with a magic wand. Tom, if you could wave your wand and cause companies to change something about the way that they view their role as political actors what would that be? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I, I think if, if there's one thing I, I would like um, businesses to change with regards to how they engage the political process is that to the extent they're going to directly and actively engage in our political process, um, I wish they would spend their financial and human capital more broadly and in alignment with their stated social missions. Uh, for instance, um, I wish they would focus their lobbying not just on tax policies and regulations that affect their businesses and their operations directly, but also lobby on policies and regulations that directly help their communities. Right? be it improving schools for the young or making healthcare more accessible and affordable for everyone else. Yeah, that is such a um, unexplored area. There are a few companies engaging in you know, uh, lobbying beyond what benefits their individual businesses. I'm thinking of uh, the unprecedented action by Salesforce in lobbying for a corporate tax um, in San Francisco to address the homeless uh, crisis. Um, but those examples are um, very rare. Uh, so I think if I had a magic wand, I'd use it for the same thing. Okay, so, so uh, now um, onto the crystal ball. Where do you see companies headed? You know, I, I think a, a few things. Uh, one, I think we're going to see more corporate social activism um, locally and globally. We're going to see it in a lot of local communities where businesses are engaging on the pressing issues facing um, the communities where they are operating in. And then I think we're going to see it um, more globally, uh, globally in, in two sense. Uh, 
one, we're going to see it um, abroad, outside the United States, more and more, um, as we are seeing right now with the situation in Ukraine. Um, and two, and I think we're going to see it uh, globally in the sense that you're going to see businesses engaging their international partners and the international communities to confront um, some of the challenges that we face um, as a species, like climate change. Um, so, so that's one thing I see in the crystal ball. Two, I think we're going to see more attention and more contention and more scrutiny as there is more corporate social activism. And we're already seeing that domestically, where there's a lot of critique and criticism and proposed legislation pushing back against corporate social activism. And, and three, um, I think we're going to see more innovation and impact. Um, we're going to see businesses and entrepreneurs explore new ways to try to solve some of society's um, more pressing challenges. Um, I think, you know, in the final analysis, I think, I think the fact of the matter is that uh, the timely and timeless challenges that confront us and that has confronted, confronted us as a society for so long um, are simply too important, too large, and too complicated to be left only to the good, hardworking people in government and the nonprofit sector. That these are challenges that require the creativity, ingenuity, resources, and efforts of the private sector as well. It you know it really some of the challenges that we confront and face really require the best of all of us. And and I think after these sort of last few trying years, a, a lot of folks um, more recently have been talking about uh, new ways of life and returning to normal or returning to some sense of, of normal or new normal. But, but ultimately, I, I think um, what we've seen over the last few years and what we are seeing um, presently is that um, corporate social activism is going to evolve, it's going to grow, and I think it's going to push us to rebuild things differently and to rebuild not necessarily, or at least I hope not necessarily, um, a return to normal, a return to the way things are, but will push us forward to rebuild anew something that's really extraordinarily better. Well, thank you so much for your insights, um, for um, the capitalist and the activist, which I highly recommend. Um, and I look forward to uh, reading more of your scholarship as corporate social activism continues to evolve. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me.